I am speaking with Deputy Assistant Secretary Chris Smith, who focuses on Ukraine in the Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs at the U.S. State Department. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Today's a special day on the calendar. It is Ukrainian Independence Day. I'm sure you know that. I do indeed. I celebrated the last Ukrainian Independence Day in Kyiv. There is a lot to talk about, but I know we have limited time. Uh, let's start with uh, headline news. What can we make of the Russian state media reports that the warlord Yevgeny Prigozhin has died in a plane crash? Well, we've seen these reports, uh, you know, and if it's confirmed, no one should be surprised. Our initial assessment is likely that Prigozhin was killed, uh, but we're continuing to assess. We don't have any further information to provide in terms of specifics at this time. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're we're following these developments, and I, I think it has uh, important implications uh, for what's happening right now in Russia. Uh, but as I said, we don't uh, we don't have anything more specific to share at this time. Yeah, I know your focus is on Europe and Eurasia and Ukraine, obviously. Um, but the Wagner Group's presence in Africa is significant as well. I'm sure the State Department is monitoring that closely. Um, do you have any comment on this, or is it too soon? Uh, we're, of course, monitoring and have been monitoring the Wagner Group's presence uh, in different parts of the world. They are a transnational criminal organization as designated, and, uh, you know, certainly uh, we have seen them uh, engaged in nefarious activities in Europe and in Africa, as you mentioned. So we continue to monitor it closely, uh, and we'll see how things develop from here. Okay. So Russia has acknowledged having transferred thousands of children out of Ukraine. Um, but let's call it what it is, it's kidnapping. How is the United States responding to this? Well, first and foremost, we have condemned uh, Russia's uh, deportation of children and attempted Russification of Ukraine's children. Uh, just today, as I'm sure you uh, noted, we took additional actions against entities uh, and individuals, uh, Russian individuals who were involved in the forcible transfer and deportation uh, of Ukraine's children. Um, these individuals, uh, you know, are connected to human rights violations and abuses uh, committed since Russia's full-scale invasion. So, in addition to calling out Russia's uh, uh, violations in pursuing these deportations, we're also taking concrete steps to uh, impose sanctions on those individuals and entities who are involved. What's your assessment of this? Are, are the sanctions working? The sanctions with respect to forced deportations? The sanctions against Russia, the sanctions with respect to forced deportations, yeah. I think sanctions are playing a very important role in uh, the United States' uh, approach to holding Russia to account for the crimes that it is committing uh, in Ukraine, the crimes against humanity. Uh, Putin's uh, uh, war of aggression against uh, Ukraine. Sanctions are an important part of how we impose costs on the Russians. It's also an important part of how we have led uh, the international community response. Uh, the United States has not taken sanctions on these issues alone, but we've been joined by our allies and partners. Uh, and those sanctions are taking effect in Russia and increasingly continue to bite uh, and uh, impact Putin's ability to carry forward on the war. 
that's not the limit, of course, of what we're doing in response, as you're well aware, uh, and as I saw firsthand for the last year as Deputy Chief of Mission at our embassy in Ukraine. Uh, we're also providing Ukraine with the security assistance necessary to defend itself and prevail in this conflict. Uh, and I am very proud of the humanitarian security and economic assistance that we've helped Ukraine, uh, helped to provide to Ukraine in order to ensure it prevails in this fight. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you more about assistance to Ukraine. Uh, as we all know, Ukraine is getting F-16s. Is the U.S. going to help train Ukrainian pilots to fly them? Uh, look, the United States is uh, very happy that uh, European uh, partners have taken the lead in announcing their uh, intent to train and provide uh, uh, Ukraine with F-16s. We are supporting those efforts. Uh, I don't have anything uh, more to cite with respect to our own uh, efforts on uh, F-16s, but we are actively supporting, uh, and as has been uh, noted, uh, uh, supporting already the uh, third-party transfer request to enable that training to happen and for the ultimate transfer of the F-16s themselves. Uh, Chris, I, I can tell you that one of the things that concerns our listeners um, is how long this attack on Ukraine has been going on. It's also, of course, concerning to hear more voices at home arguing that uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is not a major U.S. security interest. You know this part of the world well. Is there any truth to that argument? I think there is broad uh, support, not only in the American uh, public, but also across um, the branches of the U.S. government, legislative and executive, to carry forward in support of Ukraine at this critical and historical moment, not only for Ukraine's security, but for Europe's security as a whole. Uh, and I, having met with so many congressional delegations uh, who traveled to Ukraine when I was on the ground working there, uh, feel quite confident in the strong bipartisan support uh, for helping Ukraine defeat, uh, helping Ukraine resist uh, and defend itself against this, uh, this aggression from Russia. So uh, I recognize your concern that you're raising, but I think there's broad bipartisan support, not only on the Hill and of course uh, in, in, within the executive branch, but also in the American public. People recognize that this is a historical moment, that what Putin is attempting to do to uh, take over a, company, a country, wipe out its, its culture and, and government, uh, simply cannot stand. Uh, and the United States response, and not only the United States, but also with our um, European uh, and Asian allies and partners and others, uh, has been a testament to uh, our determination to see Ukraine prevail. And we're well within the second year of this war. Is the United States commitment long-lasting? Not only is the United States uh, commitment long-lasting, but as announced at Vilnius with the declaration uh, by the G7 plus countries, we are uh, committed to Ukraine for the long term, not only bilaterally, but also as allies and partners. Uh, as you uh, no doubt saw, um, in the joint declaration. Uh, each country is now going to start to negotiate separate bilateral security commitments with Ukraine. This is a process the United States has already begun and is carrying forward. And the intent of those um, commitments is to signal the long-term staying power of U.S. support, 
but not U.S. support for Ukraine in the face of uh, Russia's aggression today and, and the threat of any future Russian aggression. Uh, but also those of the allies and partners who have signed on to this declaration, which today is 22 countries plus the G7. I think that is a very strong uh, indicator of the uh, solid support Ukraine enjoys today uh, and the solid support that we will commit to for the longer term. If I'm reading between the lines, it sounds like you're saying to me no decision in Ukraine is going to be made without Ukrainians. Uh we do nothing about Ukraine without Ukraine. We make no decisions about Ukraine without Ukraine. And I can tell you that is uh, a uh, solemn view within the administration and across the government. Well, Chris Smith, Deputy Assistant Secretary, the Bureau of European and Affairs, uh, European and Eurasian Affairs at the U.S. State Department, I thank you once again for your time. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank 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 you.